After more than two decades, federal and state agencies have been trying to prevent Asian carp from taking hold in the Great Lakes. Part of the prevention is limiting the spread of carp in the Mississippi River Basin, which stretches from northern Minnesota to the Gulf of Mexico. Federal agencies have been teaming up with state fisheries up and downriver to curb the carp's hold on the Mississippi's aquatic ecosystem. WUWM environmental reporter Susan Bentz spoke with two of the biologists doing that work from the Wisconsin and Minnesota Departments of Natural Resources. Kayla Zenkel is thinking ahead. She's the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources Invasive Carp Field Lead. When we talked this week, Zankel was puzzling out a better way to catch Asian carp. Hopefully, it'll be ready to go when the water gets a little bit warmer this spring. And what we're trying to design is this net. And this will allow us to prevent or discourage the silver carp from jumping. If any species is recognizable, it's silver carp, thanks to videos of the large fish leaping high into the air. It's one of four carp species mucking around parts of the Mississippi Basin. Zankel says closer to its headwaters. We have not found any black carp to date. We have had grass carp in Minnesota. I think the first detection was in the late 70s. Big head carp since I believe 96, and I believe the first silver carp was in 2008. But no one knows for sure how many carp populate the entire Mississippi basin. Estimates range in the millions, but Zankel notes, We really haven't seen numbers, large numbers. Zankel says she and her partners hope to keep the Mississippi waters shared by Minnesota and Wisconsin that way. So her team is netting and removing as many carp as possible, 11 months of the year. I hope we can continue to remove them as fast as they come. I know that's a big ask, but I I think it's doable if everyone works together and continues to work together as well as we have. Zankel describes the work like going a thousand miles an hour, but adds, thanks to a network of partners, including the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and deploying telemetry technology that allows them to track carp, she's encouraged. This fall, when we had this multi-agency netting event, we are able to go out and track these fish. Usually we're finding them in schools of like six or seven tagged fish kind of hanging out in an area. That's how we are successful in removing 408 at the beginning of the month here. Christina Pekacek and her fisheries team step in to help whenever they can. Pekacek is Mississippi River fisheries biologist with the Wisconsin DNR. She says removing carp is sometimes grueling. The last event that we went out, we were standing in waders in a shallow area. And so we're basically in a large net pen and you're walking amongst thousands of fish to try to find the one invasive fish that is very large. They're not small fish by any means and they're heavy. It can be a little treacherous sometimes, especially when you're only five foot two. But it's important. Pekacek thinks others might benefit, including their Great Lakes counterparts. This whole process with us learning and working together multi-agencies is just giving us so much information of how to work together collaboratively. Hopefully nothing happens with the Great Lakes, but if, if something does, then they can learn from what we've learned here and be way more proactive. For now, though, these two biologists' attention is riveted on Wisconsin and Minnesota waters of the Mississippi. Kayla Zankel says they have to prevent carp from spawning here. Why? She says carp are considered mass spawners. 
And what that means is the females can broadcast out about a million eggs. And if all of those eggs are fertilized and successfully hatch, and given the correct conditions, it could be anywhere from 24 to 72 hours after they spawn, these things can hatch. When that happens, the population just explodes. Zankel says the ravenous eaters consume vast amounts of plankton and water insects. Most people don't realize is that even our game fish, at some point in their life cycle, depend on plankton and insects. Wisconsin colleague Christina Pekacek puts it simply. If we start getting higher numbers, it will definitely affect our native fish species. No one, they say, wants to see that happen. Susan Bentz, 89.7, WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR.